With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For sure. 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 For sure, sure, for sure. And for sure. For sure, sure, for sure. And for sure. For sure, sure, for sure. And for sure. Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200 foot podcast. I'm Peter. And this is Sarah. All right, Sarah, we are back after um, what was supposed to be, I think, a one month hiatus, roughly. It turned into about a two month hiatus. It's been 84 uh, years. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've, uh, I've taken uh, a giant gemstone and thrown it into the, uh, the ocean. And of course, now my ADD brain is like, have you ever seen the deleted ending? The deleted ending? If, if not, you need to, we can talk about it if you want. Um, <laughs> but I want to get right to introducing our guest. Um, we were supposed to have her on before, and then we had to reschedule because you know, life has been crazy. Um, so obviously we're, we're very glad to have her. We've wanted to have her on for a while. Um, so our guest today is Laura Saba. She is the, uh, co-host for Locked On Canadians, um, with, uh, ret- uh, you know, past and future, uh, uh, guest Scott Matla. I think he's been on three times because now this is before the podcast, right? This is before you were <laughs> doing the podcast. So, so it wasn't just like, I was just inviting him and not, not you. Um, I don't want it to sound like that. Um, but anyway, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. And I'm, I'm really excited to be here and don't worry. I'm not offended at all. Uh, I do think that, uh, Scott is one of those people that, uh, you can't help but love. And I've been working for it with him, with him for a year and a half now, a little, it's actually almost two years since uh, October of 2019. And honestly, I cannot say enough about what a great co-host and work partner he is. He's just awesome. So I don't blame you for having him on a million times, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, the, the original idea was to have both of you on together because, you know, you co-host a podcast and, uh, you know, we've done that before with, uh, unfortunately, I, I don't know if the, the podcast is permanently abandoned, but with Hannah and Megan uh, from the Balls and Six podcast. Um, yeah, it's been on it's been on hiatus for a long time, so I don't know if it's permanent <laughs> either, but they're great. They're great. Oh, yeah. Absolutely amazing people. Um, so, yeah. So um, we are recording this on Saturday, June 19th, uh, which is a new federal holiday. Right. So we are recording this, uh, but we, you know, don't tell the federal government we're recording today. Um, I guess <laughs> I don't know if we're supposed to take the day off a of podcast. I, th- I think it's OK. Um, we are, like I said, recording on Saturday, June 19th. And as we record this, um, a, a great event in the hockey world has happened that, Laura, I think you might want to fill us, fill us in about. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about how you're feeling about uh, last night's game. And in particular, um, the the exploits of the player that in 2019 I was pumping tires for. I was leading the train, uh, the small wonder boy, uh, boy genius Cole Caulfield. I gotta say, so every uh, everything we say today might obviously be moot by the time the podcast airs. So I just want to keep repeating: this is after the Friday game, not after the Sunday game. Um, and so it's actually a really exciting time in Montreal. The whole playoff run has been uh, really unexpected and exciting, and obviously the entire city is enthralled by it. We didn't expect this much as as fans as podcasters as people who talk about the team literally five days a week and on the weekend sometimes too uh and the canadians have managed at this point to get a 2-1 series lead against one of the top three teams in the league and that in itself is is a massive accomplishment 
I think anytime in the playoffs, you have to kind of ride whatever good luck you get. And it's true that the Canadians have been lucky, you know, the Leafs uh, with, without John Tavares and then uh, the Winnipeg Jets without um, Mark Shifley, uh, the coward Mike, Mark Shifley, as he will forever be known uh, on our podcast. And, uh, and, and with Vegas, I think, you know, Nobody expected this much out of them. And 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 to be honest, they've been dominated in st- some stretches of the series quite handily, but they've taken, they've done what it takes to win. And one of the things that you have to do is uh, first play your best players, which they learned to do after game three in the Toronto <laughs> series. Uh, and one of those best players is Cole Caulfield. And as a Canadians fan, I get a lot of, uh, I'm going to say mostly Leafs or Sense fans, but also mostly Leafs fans. They'll be in my mentions every time Cole Caulfield does something and I get excited about it. They'll get in my mentions and they'll be like, this guy will never amount to anything. He's going to be a minus player all his life. He's just going to be a power play specialist. And this playoff run has been his coming out party. This kid is phenomenal. He is so good at so many things. And this is the thing is you expect him to score goals, right? But he's not just a pure goal scorer. I love the way he plays in that he uses his speed and his little tiny size. (laughs) And, you know, for me, it's like, go short people. Um, (laughs) to be in all the right areas, like those no look passes, those uh, he breaks up plays in the opponent, in in their own end from the opponent. And that's something that, you know, you're not talking about Cole Caulfield being a defensive player. That's not what he was brought in to do. That's not what he was brought up as. That's not what he's trained to do. He did have to stay in Wisconsin for an extra year. Like after talking to the Canadians, they all decided that it was better for him to to work on his game for another year in Wisconsin, which he did do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and you're seeing the fruits of that, you know, right it's been a few times that you notice him even in their own end he's breaking up passes between the opponents and it's just it takes a lot of skill training patience and hockey intelligence to be in the right place at the right time and he does it so much and there's been times where I've been critical and I've been like oh that giveaway Cole Caulfield and then it turns out it wasn't actually him when you look at the replay (laughs) he's just so smart at hockey and and the goals are beautiful and that's great. Or the passes, those passes with Nick Suzuki, he's found that chemistry. I can't say enough. I, I know you can hear me gushing. <laughs> and, and there's a reason for it. He's such a good hockey player. And yes, there's going to be growing pains, but this is his first season in the NHL. And he is now playing in the Stanley Cup semifinals, whatever that, that's supposed to be, yeah. the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and still contributing a large amount to the team. And it's been so exciting in Montreal to have somebody like him. At the beginning of the season, we didn't know how it was going to turn out. And when uh, Wisconsin season was uh, cut short, uh, when they lost in the playoffs, it was very, very sad. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we were wondering, well, is it time for them to call him up? And they initially decided to play him in the AHL on, on, on the Laval Rocket. And it took like three games for them to be like, well, we're going to call him up, but he's just going to take the trip with the team. We just want him to have that team excitement, that team experience. And then a couple of games later, they played him and then they didn't look back for the regular season. And then I think they were a little bit nervous. Like Dominique Dujardin was a little bit nervous, didn't play him for the first two games in Toronto, wanted to wait until he had the last change and put him in in game three. And uh and that was it. And and he's, you know, I don't see him needing to even earn his spot out of training camp next year. Mm. So that's 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 the <laughs> yeah. small goal, small goals boy for you. <laughs> yeah, the only thing better, I think, and it's like he's it's already a great story. Now I'm like excited just because you're excited. But <laughs> any re- any reason to just smack down some Leafs fans that are clogging up your mentions? <laughs> I mean, that's that's the cherry on top. Is there anything that this guy can't do? He's helping you. Right? On, he's helping you online, and he's helping the team on the ice. <laughs> right? What more could you possibly want? <laughs> he's bringing joy to everybody. Is is I think the, the the summary. Yeah, it brings joy to every girl and boy. I think that's. Uh, we have to figure out a way to get that on a jersey somehow. Like maybe like like little small letters under the name, like little tiny. Um, I don't know, some type of symbol or something like that, or like a QR code. Yeah. Yeah, you know, at some point, jerseys are going to have QR codes on them somewhere. Or the of ice course. is going to have it. Like, you know, you know, that's coming. Like, I, I love, um, I, we were talking before, uh, we started recording about, uh, Jay, uh, you know, the former, former for sure co-host and he works for, 
um, well, used to be Fox Sports Detroit. Now it's Bally Sports Detroit. And I was asking, I was like, why can't they get this logo on the ice right? You know, the ad, you know, the ad that keeps j- jumping. And just actually in case people are wondering, people listening, because I, I was wondering, I was like, they can get it right on the on the glass, you know, but on the like the blue line ad, it's always like jumping jittery and like it's kind of disappearing, coming back. And basically what he told me is that the problem is they need some type of fixed location. Like they need something in the ice, like either like, you know, a tiny little thing that they embed in the ice or something uh, so that they can have like a static point where they can like link the ad to. Otherwise it's going to have, you know, I guess, I guess they haven't been able to do that. Um, So if you're listening and you've been wondering why is that happening? Here's (laughs) your answer. That is why. Um, And uh, apparently in the future, if you want to, if you don't have cable and you want to uh, get future um, Bally sports thing. You can pay uh, a low cost of, I think what is it was a $28 a month or something like that. Their streaming service is Sarah. Do you remember $23? Yeah, it a was, month? it was enough that my whole timeline was like up in arms about it. <laughs> they were like, Oh, curse you Sinclair. <laughs> and I mean, for, for good reason. Cause I'm like, you know, for any team, but how badly do you want to watch the current Detroit <laughs> teams? Yeah. Maybe in like two or three years, but yeah, you know what? I don't, I don't think I would sell. pay. <laughs> I don't think I would even pay thirty bucks a month for this Canadians team. Like my plan <laughs> is fifteen bucks for all the sports channels. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I want to get to, we had some really good mailbag questions and uh, unlike the, the Wim radio podcast, like we, we don't always get to all the, uh, the podcast questions uh, or the mailbag questions, but I definitely want to get to uh, at least some, if not all. Um, but first I do have a question I had to ask. Um, this is actually a question that um, I asked a, a former uh, guest uh, a little while ago, um, Pat Iverson, who uh, is, uh, uh, you know, Dallas stars, fan and podcaster um what is it like to have to like pretend that it's good that Corey perry is on your team (laughs) (laughs) well uh when the canadians signed him our opinion on the podcast was that this is a low risk low reward uh high reward signing no no no. you you said low risk low reward (laughs) (laughs) no no wait wait wait. no no no. we said we said it was you know it was going to be depth it was going to be insurance for injuries because the Canadians were planning to make a long playoff run. I personally also thought it was so that they could have somebody to get in uh, Brady Kachuk's face uh, because the Canadians had 10 games against the senators this, this season. Uh, and it just seemed, it seemed like a last minute add on to be honest. And it was one of those, we know uh, I need to point out that uh, currently An- the Anaheim ducks are paying him six and a half billion dollars to play mm-hmm. for the Montreal Canadians. Um, and so they, they signed him for league minimum and it was like, Oh great. Some guy that's going to be on the taxi squad. And the Canadians, this is this is the really funny part. And we all said, so this is what we said. We said that we were not going to admit or defend Corey Perry uh, just because he was on our team. That was our our stance at the beginning of the season. We were like, nope, you know, Corey Perry had a great game, but we still don't like him. That was the way it was the whole time. So now it's kind of become a meme amongst our listeners. When is Laura going to finally admit that she likes Corey Perry? <laughs> And I just know, I know that as soon as I say, all right, fine, I like Corey Perry, he's going to elbow somebody in the head (laughs) or slew foot somebody or break somebody's jaw. Something's going to happen. So I'm holding out and everybody knows I'm holding out. But now it's like it's become a meme. And I I actually, I quite frankly enjoy it. I have to say, somebody told me at the beginning uh, that... uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Oh, uh, the Puck Bunnies podcast. Christina from the Puck Bunnies podcast was a Dallas Stars fan. When uh, the Canadian signed Corey Perry, everybody was like, hey, you have to cheer for Corey Perry now. And I was like, I will do no such thing. And, and she replied, you know, it's not actually that hard. Um, and then <laughs> I, I understand what she's talking about because he's very effective. Uh, he has been phenomenal on the Canadians. For somebody who has had such a long career uh, past him, I don't want to say he's old because he's younger than me, but he's old. Um, <laughs> and, you know, for, 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 for him to bring this much to the Canadians, they, he plays with Eric Stahl on the fourth line. We call it the old guy line or because they play with Yoel Armia, we call it the old guy line. That's a, that's a JJ level pun right there. <laughs> there you um, and, uh, and he's been, he's been so good. And so like every, literally, literally every podcast now, every post game recap. And it's like, Oh, that line was so great. Corey Berry has been such a revelation on the Canadians, but I still don't like it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
I, I can understand that. Yeah. So I think it's safe to hold out until this, whenever the, whenever the se- the Canadian season is over and there's no gains left for the Canadians, then I can say that he's good because there's nobody for him to decapitate at that point. <laughs> Don't say go. it. Cause then it'll find out the whole, he like drained the a duck pond and like threw all the ducks <laughs> in the road or he like kicked a turtle oh. or like there's, there's no end of horrible things that he may have done. <laughs> So just don't just hold it inside. Don't even whisper it. It's like, it's like a poltergeist thing. Like don't ever acknowledge it. <laughs> um, let me see. I actually, th- this is a, this is a good question. We're going to, um, uh, we're going to take a, a, a quick commercial break in just a minute. Um, uh, I said, you know, before I said we, were, we had a long hiatus, I'm, I'm not feeling that great, but I wanted to make sure that we recorded. Um, so basically what we're going to do is we're just going to, you know, record this interview segment and release it as our, as our podcast rather than doing the rest of the show. Um, Cause I'm not really feeling up to it, but um, there is a, there's a good, a good question here that I think is a good follow-on question. to the, the Corey Perry uh, uh, conversation is from, uh, let's see. Uh, M-K-E-L-O-N-N. I'm pretty sure it's like Mike Elon, uh, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, I, th- I think this commenter has told me before my memory is terrible. Anyway, the question is, is Mark Bergevin lucky or a good GM? Well, how much time do you have? We just talked about how this was going to be a quick one. I yeah. think that I think that he, Mark Bergevin is a very determined GM and he has a vision in his head for what he wants from the team and the vision that he has built in his head or that he's trying to build on the ice has been one that quite frankly has gotten a lot of criticisms from myself included uh, because he's been the GM now since uh, I want to say it's been nine years at this point. Uh, I keep, we took, we keep talking about it and I'm pretty sure the answer is nine years. Um, and uh, he's, he's been around for a long time. And in that time, this is the second time that the Canadians have made the third round of the, of the playoffs. They've missed a lot of playoff rounds. Uh, he's made some trades that we had a lot of question marks about uh, all in service of that philosophy and that vision that he has in that, in, in that game. So I think the other thing though, is that he has made some risky moves and owned them and they've turned out to be good ones. Uh, I, I I feel like he's not one of those GMs where you're like, he's a genius and everybody should be, you know, clamoring to get this guy to run your team. Like, but I think that he's a solid GM, but this year in particular, he has been helped by a lot of luck in the past. I've criticized some of the moves that he's made, but you know, when it comes out, like, like stuff comes out about, oh, actually that player actually wanted to be traded and demanded a trade, but we didn't know about it at the time. There were things like that, where I criticized people that he, uh, he, he no longer wanted on the team that I thought was not in service of a vision of a skilled and fast team. For example, trading PK Subban for Shea Weber. Uh, Shea Weber was older, has a longer contract, has a bigger contract, uh, is slower, uh, is a, stay-at-home defenseman as opposed to an offensive defenseman other than that power play shot. I criticize that a lot, but if you look at the way things turned out, if you look at the way things turned out, uh, Mark Bergevin, in hindsight, made the best decision for this Canadians team. And I think it's it's one of those things where anytime you have a younger player with a lower cap hit, with a lower, con- shorter contract, it's a no-brainer. You keep the younger player, you keep the, the you know, for, for team management or asset management uh, um, purposes, you keep the younger player with who makes less money for less time. That's absolutely the way to go. Uh, you know, any in any in, in any vacuum, right? When you're making that decision, I think that Mark Bergevin made the wrong decision at the time, but he got lucky in that Shea Weber has found a resurgence in Montreal, and the way that the Montreal team plays has a fit for him. And I think uh, so. It's a combination. I wouldn't say that he's a bad GM, uh, even though we were talking about him getting fired when the Canadians, you know, when when the Canadians were underperforming the season when they were down three, one to the Toronto Maple Leafs, which can, can, can you please give me some time at the end of this episode to be smug about that? Um, Of course, of course. (laughs) Right. So we questioned, we questioned his decision-making when the Canadians were struggling, uh, you know, for the latter half of the season, when they went down against the Toronto Maple Leafs, we thought, all right, you know what, the Canadians are going to get eliminated. 
this guy and the coach are going to get fired. That's what we thought, right? There's a there's extension talks coming up with uh, with uh, Jeff Molson, the owner of the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, so he's got one year left on his contract and they're talking about renewals and then they decided to postpone it until the playoffs, blah, 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 all of that. But, you know, we thought that it's not whether he's a bad or GM or a good GM. It's that he hasn't brought what this team needs to the city, right? Like this is the Montreal Canadiens. This, this is, this is a long, uh, not just a long Stanley cup drought. It's a long playoff success drought, you know, and, and, and the, the goalposts have obviously been moved since the seventies and the early eighties, you know, at, at this point, making the playoffs and making deep runs in the playoffs is the goal, but they weren't even making the playoffs. So we're like, you know, this is this, this Mark Bergevin philosophy, not that great, but he has been, I, th- I think one thing that you kind of have to remember is that anytime a team has success, especially in a postseason or a tournament, part of it is luck. It's not just the best team winning, right? Because if you look at it on paper, Toronto should have won. If you look at it on paper, Winnipeg should have won. If you look at it on paper, the Vegas Golden Knights should have swept the Canadians instead they're mm-hmm. down two one in the series. So I think he's been helped by a lot of luck. And but one thing is that like your players have to take advantage of the good fortune that they're given in those situations. Right. And the way that the team has playing has been exactly that they've capitalized on every single mistake their opponents have made. They have not allowed themselves to be played out of the arena on any given night. They have been really difficult to play against. And so I think it's partly that he's a solid GM, but that the, and I, I am also kind of admitting that I'm wrong, right? Because I said that I wanted him fired. I, th- I think, and and if you look at, you know, I think I think another thing that you kind of have to look at. Sorry, I'm getting into a really long rambling thing. Uh, look at teams' <laughs> bottom sixes, right? Look at teams' bottom sixes because top end talent—that's the kind of talent that you draft or you overpay for. That's how you get top end talent. But there's such a thing as good fourth lines, good third lines, and there's such a thing as replacement level players in there. And I think that in the new NHL, you have to have your bottom six has to be a good bottom six. And no, nobody in that bottom six is going to be good enough to play on the top line. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there's a caliber and you kind of have to look across the league and the teams with solid bottom sixes are the ones that right now you say, oh, they won because of depth. You know, you're mm-hmm. thinking of uh, the last few years, the... Um, the uh, the Penguins, for example, mm-hmm. uh, not everybody's going to be a Tampa Bay with skill up and down the lineup, right? Mm-hmm. You look at the Islanders, that's a team that you consider has depth, right? You look at Vegas, that's a team you consider has depth. So you have to kind of look and judge uh, the bottom sixes uh, and drafting, developing all of that. So in context, I'm willing to say that Mark Bourgeois is an above average solid GM, but I do think that he is being helped by a lot of luck in this 2021 season. Mm. Yeah, I remember. Um, I think I think it was definitely on Sports Center. I think it was Kenny Maine who who uh, who said that uh, games are not played on paper; uh, they're played by tiny men inside television sets. So <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and when we come back, we have more uh, with Laura Saba. Um, so don't go anywhere. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back and we're going to continue through our mailbag. But before we do, I'm going to ask, I'm going to submit my own question to the mailbag. (laughs) And is that, do you feel like the Habs have been playing kind of the spoiler role? And has that just felt really satisfying? Or is this kind of like, it's a surprise, but now we're kind of expecting them to to finish the job? Or do you feel like this series, you're going to be like, yeah, we're going to spoil some dreams here. 
I think it's it's a little bit of both. So at the beginning of the season, the Canadians came out with a really great record for 10 games, right? And it was after they'd had a high-profile offseason. It was after they were so good in the bubble that they managed to get Tyler Toffoli to sign with them. They got Josh Anderson to sign with them. They they picked up Joel Edmondson, who I also thought would not amount to anything and, you know, has become has been really phenomenal in the playoffs. I think, um, you know, Mark Bergevin kept insisting that he had built a team for the playoffs, and we all scoffed at that. Uh, we didn't expect it. But he's turned out to be right in that this is really a team that is difficult to play against. It is a spoiler team, right? I think I think you you kind of have to just look at the Toronto series. Toronto ha- finished the season uh, 18 points clear of Montreal. Montreal is the f- like fourth ranked uh, team in that division. They were 18 points clear of them. They were actually I think 10 points ahead of the Edmonton Oilers, which were second. Uh, they this was going to be their year because the division was easy to get out of. There was no Boston that they had to deal with. You know, next year when we go back to the realigned divisions, they're still going to have to deal with teams like Boston. And so this was supposed to be Toronto's year. That they finally, finally got some success and they were not able to make it out of the, out of the first round yet again Mm -hmm. for, I think it's been 17 years now since the last time they've done that. And uh, I, I think that the Canadians in that series definitely played a spoiler role with the Winnipeg Jets. We thought this was something that we expected them to win, but it was mostly because we thought they were going to be riding that momentum of the uh of the toronto series that you know it was a no stopping them now kind of thing it's like when when teams are ups, uh, upset uh higher seeds in the first round of the playoffs because they've been playing for their lives mm-hmm. for the last you know few weeks of the regular season it was kind of like that but the playoff edition so we did expect that but we we did not expect them to put up a fight against uh, vegas and it was really you know we keep saying that it, anything after beating toronto in that first series is gravy we keep saying that, but at this <laughs> point, we've gotten to, you know, if, if you even look at the game last night and you look at the commentary and people were disappointed in the Canadian start. And I think now it's the expectation is kind of seeping in, not necessarily that they're going to be winning, but we expect them to put up a fight. We expect them to play better than they had. We expect them to adjust to the other team and, 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 and win. And, and, Honestly, like I'm still not convinced that they're going to be able to pull out a, f- you know, four games against one of the top three teams in the league. You're talking about Vegas. You're not talking about Toronto, a pretender. You're not talking about, you know, and I, I, I'm sorry, I keep saying that, but you know, it's, 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 it's that, it's that Toronto expected it to be easy, and Vegas does not. I think, I think Winnipeg also expected it to be easy, and Vegas does not. Vegas is actually taking them seriously, and also Vegas is better than any opponent the Canadians have faced, even dating to, to the last bubble. Like they're better than last year's Penguins, they're better than last year's Flyers, they're better than any team in the North Division. Like this is the toughest task the Montreal Canadiens have had to have had to uh, pull off. And and for me, I don't expect to win. But if they play the spoiler role, I'm so happy because, you know, this this is a Cinderella run. It's Mm. it's absolutely a Cinderella run. And an interesting thing is um, I was thinking about this the other day that um, I, you know, I I, I don't know. I don't know if you know this. uh, Sarah knows this because she's heard it 80 billion times. Um, You know, I'm I'm 42 years old or almost 42. I grew up an Islanders fan. So I was an Islanders fan for like 25 years. until I could not take the ineptness of the management anymore. Um, <laughs> it was just, it was too much. Um, but the, the thing I find very interesting is that in 1993, like the one, like the one year that you think of like a really big spoiler Cinderella type run was the Islanders beating the Penguins, the two time Stanley cup winner. Everybody thought they were going to three Pete. The Islanders beat them in seven games and then they go on to play the Montreal Canadiens <laughs> on their way to a Stanley Cup victory. Well, obviously the Canadians, not the Islanders, you know, um, knocked them off and then went on to win. And it was uh, it was very interesting to me. It's like I don't think it's irony. I think it's more of a coincidence. But that um, the Islanders and the Canadians are back together, and you know they could meet uh, in the Stanley <laughs> Cup final. So. Um, I, I, one thing I thought of as you were talking uh, based on Sarah's question last time is um, I don't want to jinx anything, but like hypothetically, if the Canadians were to win out of the two other teams they could face, who would you want to play both as in terms of like 
the team you think you would match up better against. But then also, if it is a different answer, you know, the team that you think would make the best series. I think Tampa Bay would make the best series because they're much faster. They're more skilled. They're more fun to watch and they're really phenomenal. That series would be really good uh, because the thing that happens with the Canadians is that when you're playing a more skilled team, you're real, you're really your only option is to slow down the opponent, uh, try to clog up the neutral zone, try to block as many shots as you can, try to kind of trap, play a trap game. I wouldn't call it a, a straight trap, but it's kind of that that's kind of how uh it's been. And whereas with the Islanders, I would have expected a boring series, but I also expected a boring series against Vegas. I thought that because Vegas plays the same way that Montreal does, but has more skill up and down their lineup. I thought that that was going to be boring. Like it was going to be two teams that were going to keep like slow each other down. And instead the opposite has happened. It's two teams that have inspired each other to be faster and more skilled, but with Tampa Bay, I, I think it would be a sweep, right? I think, I think, um, I, I don't think the Canadians have a shot against that much skill and that much depth because they already, if you watch them night in and night out against Vegas, even in the first period, they look gassed, they look mm. tired. Right. So I, I would say that, you know, Tampa Bay would put on a clinic and it would be more entertaining, but against the Islanders, I feel like there's a shot because the thing with the Islanders, and it's another thing with Vegas too, is that what's going to happen at the end of the day is the coach who adjusts better and faster is going to win that series. I think, you know, depth wise, they're kind of matched. Uh, and coaching wise, the Habs are outclassed because Barry Trotz is the best coach in the, in the league right now. Uh, but I do think that it's going to be fun. It's been fun watching it against Vegas. It's been fun watching, you know, between periods adjustments and, and uh, the coaches kind of adapting and trying different strategies and, and, so for me, I think that I would prefer, I think the Canadians would have a better chance against the Islanders, but in terms of like better hockey, I think that Tampa Bay, even though they would steamroll mm -hmm. the Montreal Canadians, I, I still think that the hockey is going to be better on that front. And if you win, we'll just dub over this and you can just say for 20 minutes, never a doubt in my mind. I knew it. I knew the whole time. Never doubted for even one moment. Right. That we I, go all the I, way. I, I was the I, first person to say. Yeah. We would go I said it. Yes, I said it on this podcast. Yeah. And, and no, honestly, I, I have absolutely no problem admitting I'm wrong about anything. Uh, I just I just ask that people don't be jerks about it um, mm. because, you know, th there's there's disagreeing. And there's, you know, playfully debating or, or politely debating or whatever. And then there's like seeking you out to be a jerk. Just don't do that. Like we yeah. all have a hockey opinions, but for whatever reason, I know why it's because I'm a woman, right? Uh, you know, my opinions when they're wrong, I have to be told about them. Whereas everyone else who's wrong or every other hockey writer or blogger or an analyst or whatever, they get to be wrong and be left alone if yeah. they're a guy. Uh, yeah. But you have to. Yeah. So for me, I have absolutely no problem. Like I thought the Canadians were going to get swept by Toronto. I was I was <laughs> praying. I was praying for Carey Price to steal two victories so that they wouldn't get swept by Toronto. And I was wrong about that. And I'm, I'm very happy. But, right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's it's still it's still two one. Right. There's still the Canadians only have to win two more games to win the series. And Vegas has three can win three. But if you look at it, Vegas can easily win three games yeah. and they can win them in a row. So, you know, I'm not I'm not ready to say that the Canadians even have a shot at this point. but if they do win and if they, if they go on to the Stanley cup finals and if they win that, well, then I'll happily admit that. Wrong. <laughs> that would be great. Right. Oh no. Yeah. And I, I think Detroit fans can, can be Montreal fans in this case. Cause it's like, if you win, then we win. Cause you know, we were <laughs> your bugaboo last season. Mm -hmm. So oh, it's yeah. like the real rags to riches story that yeah. we can feel <laughs> it's our yeah. way to connect to the playoffs, you know, cause we're, well, I don't know about we, but I am always going to hate Tampa. And I, I do see all the griping being like, okay, so they can just be a billion dollars over the cap and they can have seven players on the ice. Sure. Whatever it takes, I guess that's <laughs> fine, which is why it would also be fun if the Habs and the Bolts met and can't believe I'm saying this, but if like Canada won, 
And it would make Toronto mad that they weren't exactly. the ones. And the Oilers, all the fans would make them mad. I mean, I don't care what Jets fans think. No offense to anybody. <laughs> yeah. you know, you're too far this- away. We never play you. We don't play you enough. And when we do, it's at like 1030. So yeah, <laughs> too old it's, for it's that. It's honestly, <laughs> out of all the Canadian fans, uh, the Winnipeg Jets fans have been the, the nicest to us all season long. Like we've had to, you know, the, 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 there have been very long se- regular season series between all these games. And and the Winnipeg Jets fans are the only ones that are like realistic and, and they're not, um, you know, they're not, they don't take the sport seriously enough to get really violently angry at you. Mm. Um, and that's something that has not been the case with all the other fan bases, to be <laughs> honest. And so, you know, there's like, we just talked about it, right? Detroit swept the season series last year against Montreal. We like literally, we were laughing about it. You know, it sucked at the time, obviously, but we laugh about it. Like that's what sports mm. is about. Like there's absolutely no reason for me to like start swearing at you or threatening your family or calling you names because Detroit swept Montreal uh, in, in, in the season series last year. There's, mm. you know, and so I feel like sometimes people take this a little bit too seriously. For me, it's a job, mm. right? Five days a week. I talk about this on the podcast. And mm. if the Canadians don't do well, I don't get paid as, as much, right? It's because mm. it's based on listeners. So it's my livelihood it, it, to a certain degree. It's my livelihood. And I'm still not taking it seriously enough to get in people's mentions, threatening them. Right. So it, it, I, I feel like Winnipeg Jets fans have been the, the truly the nicest, but also, you know, the, the, the Toronto series was over two weeks ago and they're still getting really, really angry every time the Canadians win a single game. And it's like, you know, since that time, the Canadians have won, I want to say, Six games since they, since they beat Toronto, and if you count those, you know it's it's been nine games, uh, or sorry, ten wins at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Canadians are six wins away from Stanley Cup, which is blowing my mind right now. Um, and and they're you know they're still getting extremely angry about it, and it's like it's just sport. We literally lived through those of us who were lucky lived through a global pandemic. Mm. and an economic crisis and job losses and and personal you know like personal losses and all of that we live through all and it's just sports there's no need to get violently angry but if you're on the canadian side of it like this has been really good in 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 and that's it, it's a communal positive experience that we all get to share if your team is not in the final four it's perfectly okay to find something else to bring you your happiness mm. And I think that's something that, uh, sorry, I don't know how I got off on this tangent. I, that's okay. I, I think I'm just being sick of, bull- I'm, I'm sick of being bullied on the internet. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't blame is. you. I don't blame you for a second. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's something uh, that is uh, apparently you know, blatantly obvious to anybody who pays attention that um, basically women and then people of color and then w- women of color, especially um are treated much, much differently by the common, well, not common, but, you know, by the people who are jerks on Twitter are far, far, far worse uh, to people who aren't white men. Uh, It's very obvious if you pay attention, unfortunately. I wanted to make sure uh, that we got to um, a pair of mailbag questions because it looks because because they go together. <laughs> They're like a matching set. Right. Um, and so uh, basically we have we have we have a couple we have a little little jabbing back and forth. Um, so we have JJ asking, is Will Christ one the worst or two the absolute worst? But then we also have Will Christ asking. What is your favorite JJ pun? Also, perhaps more importantly, what is your least favorite? Now, I know you've done research for this, so I wanted to make sure that we got to this. <laughs> so, uh, backstory on this is Will is a friend of mine, but to be friends with Will is to hate Will. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of how it works. Uh, and so, he has become the official nemesis of Locked On Canadians. He is a Detroit Red Wings fan, as you may have guessed. If uh, if I, I don't know if your listeners are already uh, friends with him <laughs> online or not. Uh, um, and, uh, so he has been, uh, the foil, I guess the, yeah. we, we literally call him our official nemesis and he asks us mailback questions once a week that <laughs> often send us into, you know, weird tangents or just at least very, very frustrating. But the thing is we nicknamed him the worst. So 
I understand that JJ is, is, you know, the absolute worst <laughs> makes sense because it does describe Will, but because we nicknamed, nicknamed him the worst, I'm going to have to go with Will is the worst. Um, as for the JJ puns. Okay. I just want to tell the, the listeners, my process is I went on Twitter and then I searched JJ's handle and also the words JJ. No. Um, and then I took all of the puns that people were applying to him on and I've singled out two um one this is my favorite one because it's so good when i was a kid all i wanted to do was play house music while making leather then full house came along and stole the name dj tanner from me (laughs) that's my favorite because it's so well done and so my least favorite one uh is uh, there were two. Oh no. Can I say both? Uh, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> okay. So one of them was the worst thing Steve Ott ever did was not have a son named Ian Kenneth. I can Ott understand. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what the, the second worst. And then the other one is I understand the Leafs will be getting instruction on how to avoid bogeys on the golf course. Plan the par eight. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and so, and this was not from this year. This was literally from two years ago. This was not a this year pun, but I just, uh, Oh my know. God. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> Oh Jesus. Uh, so we're going to have to wrap up in a minute. Uh, before, before we do, I want to do two things. Number one, I want to ask Sarah something that, uh, some of our w- listeners might be dying to know about. Um, and then Laura, before, uh, we let you go, uh, we are going to give you uh, a little bit of airtime. It's totally up to you. How, how, I mean, you can go <laughs> as long as you want, uh, to gloat slash be smug slash, uh, celebrate, uh, the upset over the Maple Leafs. Um, because originally, when we were planning on recording, I think it was like immediately after it happened or, or very shortly after. Um, and so of course I didn't want to deny you that opportunity. So we'll get to that in (laughs) just a second before we sign off. But first Sarah inquiring minds want to know, everybody wants to know what is the update of Stevie, AKA the killer Iser cat. What is, what is going on uh, with the saga of Stevie and the mouse? Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, I have a, a four-year-old calico cat named Stevie, Stevie the Iser Cat, and I've had her for a little over a year. She's a quarantine cat, and uh, about two weeks ago, I was doing work. I'm actually sitting where I usually do work, and I look over, and Stevie has something. So I was like, let me let me record this, just in case. I thought she had a cicada, because I, I live in Maryland, so it's been cicada central. Oh, no. She had a mouse. She had an actual <laughs> real live mouse. Um, so I made, I, I, it's pinned to my Twitter right now. If you want to watch the video saga, it's really embarrassing for me. And uh, so then it was, so she lost it, had it lost it. And two weeks later, <laughs> it showed up again. She did nothing. And I was like, Hey, <laughs> you have one job. This is your job <laughs> as a cat. You've been training your whole life for this. Uh, so it, it disappeared again. I had some mouse traps. They did not work. And then she comes in and she's staring at a chair very, very intently. And I'm like, oh, it's in here. It's totally under this chair. Uh, so I just, I just leave her to it. And then she snatches it up and runs into the other room, lets it go again. <laughs> it runs into a cabinet, but that time was my fault. I didn't have a plan of what I was going to do if she caught it and didn't kill it. So the third time was the charm. I had a bowl and I had a plate. So when she caught it, she let it go. I slammed the bowl down, put a plate underneath it, and then took it, I don't know, 100 yards away from the house and threw it. And it may have been dead, may not have been dead. But what matters, it has not come back. Or if it has, Stevie hasn't found it. The mouse traps haven't found it. And I have seen no evidence of any mouse. I feel like it's <laughs> going to run by now and I'm going to start screaming. But there have been no more mice, although she does sometimes stare at the wall. Like there might be something in there. I'm choosing to believe it's a ghost and not a mouse, that it's the ghost of the previous resident of this house who is not mean, hopefully. But um, there's been <laughs> Stevie has uh, has remained smug in her hunting prowess. I had to take back. All, I had to admit I was wrong, which is what we're learning on this podcast to admit <laughs> when we're wrong, that she is a she is maybe not a killer, but she is a good hunter. And yeah. um Hopefully her, her threatening presence will now keep all critters out of the house. I did find a dead mole in the backyard 
but that I think is unrelated. <laughs> it's unrelated and was not Stevie involved unless she's found a way out of the house. But um, it was it was quite the saga. And if anyone, and like I said, it's uh, it's my pinned tweet on my on my profile. If anyone watch, wants to watch the video footage and the the director's cut. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. So uh, I, I heard, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard um, that there is going to be a uh, Zack Snyder-esque re-release of the uh, the Iser cut. Um, and it's going to be four hours of a loop of Stevie chasing a mouse. And then there's also going to be one that is uh, just in, in sepia tone. Yeah. Uh, the same exact thing. It's just going to be in sepia tone and a 4-3 aspect ratio, of course, because we need to preserve the, uh, I don't even remember the dumb phrase it was, preserve the director's vision or something like ridiculous. Um, anyway, I've, I've already talked about that. Uh, I think actually, I think that was on Pat Iverson's podcast. So uh, when I was on, I, I rambled about why I thought it was dumb. But anyway, um, or, or I don't know. We, did we talk about it? Whatever. Um, <laughs> Uh, we got to go in a minute or a few minutes, but first, Laura, I wanted to give you the floor. I wanted to give you one, one opportunity to uh, basically do whatever you want to do uh, in regards <laughs> to the win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. If you've written a ballad about Cole Caulfield, we're ready to hear it and give you some <laughs> feedback. Actually, one of uh, like a podcast friend of ours is actually a folk folk singer and, and wrote a song about Tatar, but I'm hoping there's going to be one about Caulfield, uh, Caulfield. Uh, no, for me, honestly, uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about a little bit about was that Leaf series, because here's the thing about acting like you've been there before. It was three, one. It was before game five had happened. And the Toronto Maple Leafs fans on Twitter were retweeting all of our takes from game one, which was the one game up until that point, the Canadians had won. They were retweeting all our joy about it. Uh, they were retweeting our podcast episode, like literally just, it was just, let's recap that win and enjoy it. Things like that. And they were harassing a bunch of Canadians fans. A bunch of them started harassing me actually, uh, in, I want to say it was right before that. No, it was it was after game five or six. But anyway, so they were just like literally smugly retweeting and making fun of our takes before the game had taken place. And this is a thing. I don't believe in karma or jinxes or things like that. But I do believe in learning about acting like you've been there. And so what happened, what ended up happening was the Canadians won game five, then they won game six, and then they won game seven. And now the Toronto Maple Leafs have fans have been just, it's been weeks and weeks of raging and writing treatises and essays and talking about how they're never going to give this team their time and energy again. And then they've been doing nothing but talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs and their failures. And I just want to say that. If you take sports that seriously and your entire identity is wrapped up in being a sports fan of a particular team, then you kind of got to have to, you have to learn how not to be a jerk because what's going to end up happening is when it inevitably bites you in the ass, just like it does for every sports fan of every team, because no team is hundred percent successful all the time is that everyone is going to be like, well, first I thought you were ju a, a jerk. Now I think you're a jerk and a clown. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, it's been, it, it, and it's, it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm smug and it's not an accomplishment that I personally had. It's an accomplishment that a bunch of players in the TV, like the tiny men in the TV had, right. That it's not like, my identity is not as a Canadians fan, even though I'm a podcaster. My identity is a person who's enjoying this Canadians run. And if the Canadians had lost to Toronto, it would have been like, great. You know, we're, we don't have to stay up until ass o'clock every night and then do a podcast and, and then and then talk about it. You know, we have our schedules back and then we'll talk about firings and all kinds of content in the offseason. But if you're if like every, all of this to say is that, like, if you're going to be a jerk to someone, wait for a reason to actually be a jerk about it. And this time, as has been many other times, the Toronto Maple Leafs did not make it out of the first round. So maybe wait until that happens before you start being a dick. Hubris. Hubris. That's is, my, yeah, is that's real. my whole thing. Yeah. That's my whole thing. I'm not smug that I accomplished this. I'm smug that you were told by forces beyond my control. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like the uh, the Monty Python giant foot smash, right? Exactly. And, and and this is the thing, like, you know, my team has not had success since 1993. You know, we're, we're literally talking about right now about how it feels like 1993. Yeah. You know, they've been underperforming since the 90s. And there have been some really miserable years. And, you know, as a fan base, we're kind of known to be quite heated. But even so, like the extent to which we um, enjoy our team, it's self-deprecating humor or it's fun or it's making memes. And the whole thing is that when you're doing something like that, you're taking the joy out of being the playoffs, right? Like the joy of the playoffs is watching that Caulfield go over and over again. Mm. The joy of the playoffs is when the Montreal museum took a, uh, a really beautiful photograph of a Byron goal. I was like, we're going to hang this up, right? Like the memes, like that kind of stuff, that communal, uh, the, I don't know if you guys saw it. I'm sure you have. There's this guy that was interviewed before game, um, game uh, six that was uh, at the bell center. And uh, right now the capacity is 3,500. It was 2,500 at the time. And before the game, like they were interviewing people who had like paid to, to, to go to the game. And, uh, and he was like, I swear to God, 2,500 is going to feel like 25,000 in there today. And he became a meme on yeah. Canadian's Twitter, right? Like they did like a whole thing where how it was like a Canadian heritage minute. <laughs> I don't know if you guys <laughs> get, that, get that commercial across the border, but um, it was, it, and this, that's the fun, right? Yeah. Like, so we like, and, and so when you're kind of wrapping your whole personality up in the fact that, you know, your team might beat this rival team up the 401, like it, it just, be prepared for disappointment, right? Like you're not allowing yourself to enjoy the good. You're only immersing yourself in the bad is what mm. I'm saying. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a, that's a great, great place to leave it. I think that's a very, very, <laughs> very you know, a, a very great sentiment uh, to, to go out on. Um, so we're going to, we're going to wrap up and we're going to say thank you very much for, uh, listening to another episode. Um, we will be back in a couple weeks. Uh, hope, hopefully fingers crossed, uh, we'll be back on our regular schedule of every two weeks. Um, next time we'll have a longer episode for you. Um, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed again. Uh, but if you would like to follow us on Twitter, um, you can follow me at P Flynn hockey. You can follow Sarah at, uh, Helmeroids. You can, uh, sorry, H-E-L-M-E-R-R-O-I-D-S, just in case, right? You can follow uh, Laura at The Active Stick, which is exactly how you would imagine it's spelled. Um, and you can also follow uh, uh, the podcast that she hosts with Scott Matla um, at Locked On Canadians. So it's at L-O underscore uh, Canadians. Remember, remember, remember the E, right? Not an A, that's an E. Um, so you can check that out. Um, if you want to follow our podcast on Twitter, um, we are not as active as, as I always mean to be, uh, but you can follow us. It's at 200 foot pod. So 200 FTPOD. You can uh, find us on Facebook, uh, where I occasionally post, I guess, uh, every now and then when I remember that we have it um, at facebook.com slash uh, for sure pod, F E R S U R E P O D. And uh, last but not least, if you want to get some for sure merchandise, uh, you can go to tinyurl.com slash for shirt. That's F E R S H I R T, where we have shirts and pillows and uh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, there's a whole shop there and you can uh, get stuff there. It is awesome. Um, the quality is really good. I have a bunch of it that I, that I paid for. Um, I have a bunch of it uh, that I paid for. I don't even think I got a discount. So, uh, but if you want to check that out, uh, you can go there. Um, so again, we will see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, thanks again. Uh, before we go, Laura, thank you so much again for stopping by. Really uh, had a lot, had a lot of fun. Thank you so much for inviting me and letting me ramble on so much. I can't believe you let me go on that long. <laughs> no, it was great. It was awesome. I like as a host, the more you talk, the less we have to talk, like the less we have to think about what do we say next? It was perfect. It was awesome. <laughs> and, and it was good. It, it was all good stuff. It wasn't just like rambling about nothing. It was, it was all entertaining and educational and very fun. So, um, all right. So we're going to get going, have a wonderful, uh, I guess Fortnite. Uh, I haven't been saying that. I probably am not going to start after hearing how it sounded. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, maybe I should try it. Nope. Nope. Pretty terrible. Not going to do that one again. Uh, but have, have a great day. For sure. <laughs> See everybody soon. For sure. 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 For sure, for sure.
for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure.